welcome to this podcast series on neo-charismatic leadership with author, leadership expert and coach, Dr. Gada Angawi and executive leader, Martin Headley, where they will both explore the recently published book, Neo-Charismatic Leadership and the coaching topics it covers. Welcome back, everybody, to um, our latest interview in the uh, Neo Charismatic Leadership Podcast series. Um, Gada will introduce our guest in a moment, but I want to say that we've been very fortunate to find this individual who is extremely busy um, and uh, is quite uh, an influence in Africa. So I'm, I'm sure you're going to really enjoy hearing what we have to say. Um, so, Gada, welcome. Welcome everybody to this episode where we have a very special new charismatic leader guest from Nairobi, Kenya. Farida Elewa is the East Africa Director for Practical Action, an innovative international organization putting ingenious ideas to work so people in poverty can change their world. Farida oversees the organization's work in four countries in the region and across four offices. She has an academic background in international human rights law, postgraduate studies in sustainable development and poverty reduction, and brings over 15 years of experience working in sub-Saharan Africa across development and humanitarian context. She worked with organizations like the United Nations and Save the Children. Farida has held management and leadership positions at national, regional, and global level. She is passionate about building inclusive and equitable societies and has worked on national, regional and global policies and programs that advance human rights, especially the rights of women and girls. Welcome and we are very happy to have you here. Thank you so much. The honor is really mine. I'm extremely, extremely happy to have had this opportunity and at this time just to be able to join the podcast. So thank you for having me. Great. Welcome, Farida. Um, so the, the first question that I want to get into, is it's, it's quite a, a standard question of ours, but I want to give it a little background for the listeners before I ask it. Um, and that is that, you know, typically we will be speaking with leaders who either work with big companies or big organizations where, you know, they are dealing with people that have means, people that have education, people that have a lot at their disposal. And a key part of our story is trying to reach those folks that don't have any of that and trying to establish leadership in in people in you know rural villages and in very difficult situations to try and help them improve their lives so when I ask this question, it, it's really important that we're, we're looking for, you know, what are the commonalities between leaders of people with means and leaders that work with people who don't? So, you know, there's a sequence of past circumstances that has made you who you are. Um, would you tell us how you became a leader? Thank you, Martin. Um, such a simple question, but can be so complex in trying to find a response. Um, But you're absolutely right. I I think I have to reflect and look at my own journey and and what led me to this position when we start to think about the environment that's needed to just enable people towards leadership positions. And my reflection is really in terms of how difficult that has been um, in situations and environments that have 
not necessarily open doors for me, um, but I've had to challenge them myself. And that, and that reflects on a lot of environments that I'm working in where people have no opportunity or limited opportunity to influence and affect decisions um, that really are about them. And so I reflect on being a very young, very energetic, very inspired um, woman looking to make a difference. Um, I myself was merely a child when I was given the opportunity to take part in a research on violence against children. And it was definitely one of the most striking experiences in my life. Um, first of all, just thinking that we had so many problems and the solutions just didn't seem to address them. And that to me inspired me um, to work in this field, inspired me to, to understand human rights, to understand systems, to change them. Um, and for the past 15 years, I've been working towards that. Um, and, and understanding the lack of opportunity was part of that journey for me and understanding the problems and looking at solutions that would address those problems is what has driven me to who I am today. Okay, that, I mean, that, that is fantastic because that's a very different view of, of what drove you. I mean, clearly, uh, the, your experience seeing trauma or children in trauma is, is what, what motivated you, which is, rather interesting um and so while that contributed to your leadership skills who stood behind you <laughs> and that to me is a fantastic question because um when i reflect on it now if it hadn't been for um different people in different positions and i have to say very strong uh women in in different positions in my career um you know, opening up opportunities for me, uh, sometimes even believing in me that I could actually carry out certain roles. I don't think that I would have had those opportunities or I would have definitely had to fight a little bit harder for those opportunities than I have um, today. And so in that environment, um, I found I found people who identified certain things in me, um, who nurtured certain qualities in me and definitely gave me the opportunity to try. So a little bit of risk taking as well in my career. Um, and I remember the first leadership position that I had, I was, I don't think I, I was 25 yet. I might have been 23 or 24. Um, and I was offered a, a program director position and it was one of the experiences that still stays at the back of my mind, because I remember this announcement announcement being made that, you know, Farida is going to be the new program director. And I actually had someone resign on the day and walk out of the room um, and said, no, I'm not. I'm, there's no way this young woman can do this job. Um, and that absolutely. And um, just just in that position, I had to learn. Um, I had to learn how to react. I had to learn how to define myself as a leader, um, how to understand the role, but also what success would look like. 
Um, and just like that, that reaction actually provided the drive for me. And I think I've always taken it in my stride. Um, and I and I really thank the people at that moment who gave me that opportunity because I definitely did not think that I was ready for a leadership position of that magnitude. Um, but it definitely helped me build the necessary skills I have. Um, I definitely made mistakes hopefully learned from them. Um, but importantly, it, it definitely catalyzed a lot of other opportunities into leadership, learning how to manage people, how to manage organizations, how to identify opportunity, but also just manage the entire stress that comes with leadership, especially at a young age for me. Well, this is amazing because for me as a leadership expert, um, I'm, I'm really touched by the idea of putting a young person in a leadership position and asking them to lead at an early age, uh, which is a risk in itself for, for your leaders. And it's a risk for you to take uh, as a young person uh, and also having to face and confront, uh, you know, someone giving you that harsh remark that they're not going to be under your leadership. You're much younger than they are. Um, but, but it tells me so much about what leadership is about and that our young people should be giving the opportunities when, 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 they, are, when they show up, that they, they can lead and the confidence uh, that you were given. Um, this, this is so courageous uh, from you to, to, to accept as well this, the position, although you could say, no, 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 that's not my 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 goal yet i still have few years to go before i could do that um i congratulate you for that um and and we learn so much as leadership experts on how to to grow young leaders and that really leads me to the next question how do you define leadership you know i've been asked that question so many times um and because i've learned a lot of my leadership from experience as i've just told you almost being thrown thrown into that, um, thrown into the position. Um, and, and obviously I reflect on it in that um, it was potential that people saw in me. And it's definitely what I've taken into how I even define leadership, how leadership to me is about creating those spaces, is about inspiring, is about nurturing, but it's also about being able to to manage different situations, manage complex situations. And that to me means that leadership is actually a little bit of everything, but importantly, just how ability to be able to inspire and set vision, but also to carry people along with that, to understand different environments and be able to then influence a lot of those spaces. And I can definitely say it's still a journey that I'm on and I take every day as, a, as, as that learning experience. Um, and so I have, I have a, a few years under my belt in terms of learning what that leadership experience is. I love the idea of uh, understanding the context and the environment. How do you do that with people? One of the things that I've learned in my career is the importance of reflection, um, the, the importance of also that leadership requires a little bit of taking the back seat and understanding that space. 
um, picking up on on whether it's people or ideas or um, especially in our world um, innovation and solutions. Um, so it's been able to really identify with the space that you're in and then harness and nurture that into where we want to go. And I don't think there's there might be that working formula. For me, it's about being adaptable uh, and being agile enough to, to come into a space, understand the space, and then apply myself and who I know I am to that space. So you take a lot of time in listening and understanding, assessing the environment internally and externally, taking it in. And that's exactly the first role of uh, new charismatic leadership. Um, and you mentioned as well, uh, involving people in that. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think that has been an important part of my own journey as a leader. Um, just from my example of, of having, of walking into a room and um, in most cases, people prejudging me. Uh, I'm just lucky that my, my gray hair is starting to set in. But, um, you know, for most of that start of my career, it, it, it would have been the same response. Um, who's this young person? Who's this young woman? You know, what could she potentially bring. And so being able to to sit back, reflect, uh, identify those opportunities, uh, set that vision that people are looking for, because that, that expectation is that as a leader, you're coming with something, that you're bringing something, you're, you know, you're influencing change in whatever space that is. Um, that requires uh, some real consistency in in how I have approached different situations, but at the same time, understanding who's around the table uh, and who I'm working with. And when we set that vision, it's it's about what how everyone can resonate with a vision and how each and everyone is contributing to realizing that vision. Um, and that to me means success. Um, I remember uh, a, a good example is when I started my my current role uh, as regional director for Practical Action, and it wasn't it wasn't a necessarily easy position to come into. It was also a very new space, um, a lot of new people, a lot of new faces, and a lot of expectation. Um, and I remember telling our CEO at the end of the first year, um, when he was reflecting on, uh, we were both reflecting on successes and challenges in my first year. And he asked me, he said, what would you, what would you identify as your biggest success? And I said that no one willingly resigned from the organization that I was, I was able to, to keep, (laughs) to keep them there, to believe, um, believe in a, in an almost radical change that I was proposing. And to me, that was my indicator of success, that I had a very lean team, but a dedicated team that were willing to put in the work that that had bought into the vision. And thinking about we're almost five years from that time, we're in a much more comfortable space and uh, the same dedicated team who have grown with me in that journey goodness me I, I, yes uh, it, it's just amazing to me uh, to think about um gada as we as we go on with the other podcasts to think about what it took for the people that appointed farida to that leadership position at that age i mean we, we probably need to delve into what what was in their minds because that was indeed pure leadership but you know when 
when you look at the uh, you know the United Nations enormous organization you look at um, save the children again another enormous organization world known world, worldwide and you have experts that have been studying poverty and you know lack of access to healthcare teaching whatever it is um, and you know they obviously consider themselves experts and, and they probably do know an, an incredible amount academically about the subject and yet somebody at the age of 24 can actually come in and lead so it really shows the the um uh, how can i say the the dividing line that you know it's not absolute knowledge that makes you a leader um the skills that you had obviously you didn't have 30 40 years worth of experience um and and i find that to be i find that to be really uh encouraging and inspiring so, so thanks for for showing that for sharing that with us. Um, when you work with experts that have been around for thirty, forty years, uh, and you know you, you're young, you come in and you want to lead, you want to make change. You know, how do you deal with those people, the, the ones that didn't resign, the ones that stayed? Okay, the ones that stayed. Um, I think it, it's still about focusing on three things. Um, Obviously, that cl- clarifying expectations both ways is important. Um, you know, what they would expect from me, um, but also linking that or delinking it almost to the position, right? Um, what we typically know or what we typically see as a leader, um, I think that's where the disruption is when when I walk into that space or I st- and I start in that space. So being able to to almost circle that back to to the expectations of the role or that the leader um, is important, but also being able to have that dialogue and that appreciation, um, as as I said, in terms of that we are both people and recognizing that what they're bringing can contribute to that to that shared vision is important. But for me, it's always about dialogue. It's always been able to, to understand people, to, to be able to appreciate what they're bringing so that hopefully it's both ways and that they can appreciate what I'm bringing. Um, and it's not easy it, and it's not that simple. I think I've oversimplified that. Um, and, and just from experience, you know, you're always going to have people as part of any team that would have very, very strong opinions or would have, um, or would have, you know, divergent opinions. And for me, I think leadership, um, what I've learned, but what I know, and that's also important, is how we channel that energy. I tend to call it even energy because I think opinions is what makes us different. Um, if we can channel that towards a common purpose, you know, has always been my working formula. Um, I am also very opinionated and I can also challenge as I've done in different spaces. Um, and it's probably why I've, I've got this far. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's how we just funnel that, how we, how we channel it into that common space, how we build together. And, and I've really, you know, maybe because I had that experience early on, I've also learned to almost expect it, but also how to manage it. And it has, I've been pleasantly surprised then how almost easier it has become because I also model or I also put forward the type of, of, of team and, and people and culture that I want in a space 
And for me, that is what has been able to, to lead to, to success in very different spaces. Since, since we're talking about the challenging uh, part of your leadership, would you like to share um, an experience where you felt that you had to challenge the status quo um, in a decision and, you know, some people were there and some people weren't, but in the same time you managed it? It would be nice to add that uh, because that's really the, f- the third role of new charismatic leadership in the first stage. We've already touched upon the, 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 the two roles, the first two roles, assessing the environment, ses- sensing people's needs, and now we are at the challenging the status quo which is in the stage one of um, uh, the search for opportunity uh, in transforming any any organizational context. Absolutely, I, I you know without without giving too much away, I think they've been you know very very many spaces where um, I have also felt that I come I've come across or I've challenged. Um, and, and sometimes I get the get the reflection that I've challenged too much. But I definitely think to to, to bring about change, um, I think we have to we have to constantly challenge. We have to constantly ask ourselves questions around, especially now a sector, what we're doing, how we're doing it. You know, are we really bringing about change? Those are important and fundamental questions that we ask ourselves. Um, as we carry out our work, which might be slightly different to the corporate world. Um, but when you're in the social, especially justice space, those are fundamental questions. And I found, my, I found my, myself in different organizations being that force of challenge, asking ourselves, you know, what are we doing? How are we doing it? Are we really making an impact? And that hasn't been received sometimes as... Um, as uh, positively as I would have liked. Um, I felt in one instance where uh, a senior colleague of mine felt personally challenged by, by my approach, uh, maybe felt that I was being a bit too disruptive. Um, and I had to reflect as well. I had to, in that situation, really assess whether this was me as an individual or I really saw myself as contributing um, to changing that organization um, to be better, to be forward-looking, uh, to be more inclusive, which are very important values to me as a person. And um, it did become, it did feel at that time that it was a personal opinion and I was challenging another colleague, um, but also made me reflect that I needed to also address that, that there's the organization, but we're also people. And I needed to be, I needed to create a space where I was clarifying that it wasn't and that decisions that we make as individuals um, can also influence who we are as an organization or a company or an entity. And that singular contribution is, is what we're giving to to the whole. So I know it's not a particular example of challenge, but it's definitely it's definitely something that I've come across when when I'm looking at building myself as a leader, but also influencing change. Yeah. So there is on one hand um, coming um, into the situation uh, uh, challenging as a person because of a personal need for challenge, and there is on the other hand 
the need to challenge because of the greater good uh, that the benefit of the whole organization and and you needed to to pull back to reflect whether this is coming from this or that and how can you consolidate um, that is uh, uh, great to hear because uh, obviously with altruism being um, um, at the base of uh, new charismatic leadership one need to go back to their inner core and, and reflect on their thoughts and emotions and how does it sit with their intentions yeah, th thanks for bringing out the idea of challenging people as well, uh, Farida, because um, what I've noticed over the years is you. there are times where people are ready to be challenged and times that they are not. And of course, if you have a large team, everybody's on a different part of that scale at any one time. So you, it's almost like you're constantly moving the levers forward and backwards because you know you know this person isn't ready right now but this person i can give them a real challenge um so you know knowing that we have to do that um is there a time where you actually challenge somebody and it turned out to be the wrong time yeah um absolutely i remember um you know probably building off my own experience and and feeling that you know, creating that space for opportunity is so important. And so, when I'm when I'm working with 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 people, I'm I'm constantly thinking about uh, conversations and encouraging them around growth and looking for opportunity. Um, and I, I remember having pushback once, and it was an interesting conversation because. I had I had one of my team members come back and actually said, I don't think I'm ready for this. Um, or I would like to focus on this one thing that I'm doing and I feel that this is too much of a stretch. And again, a point of reflection for me because I, I had to realize that, you know, my own journey probably has been exasperated by the fact that I clamp onto opportunity. I, I, I am excited by challenge. So when I see it, I go for it. But that's not everyone. And, and really understanding that um, we're different people. And so we would have a different response uh, to new situations and how we adapt to new situations was an important realization for me. So I appreciated the feedback. I definitely did. And I actually had to pull back what my intention was for this person to stretch into stretch into a role because they for for not you know for failure for yeah for fear for failure they tried but they actually reached this point where they were able to come back to me and say i think it's a little bit too much and i'm not ready for for such a stretch so um i actually had to to reflect on that and uh and accept that as well um, look at reworking what we had planned and, you know, where I thought that this person could move it to and, and also make that more of, of a conversation. I guess I was coming off uh, as being too suggestive, um, but really making it more of a conversation, especially when it comes to managing people or looking at growth or potential and all the good things that we would identify in people, but also realizing that it needs to be a conversation about where they are as well in that journey. And, and it seems to me that uh, you come across uh, as an unconventional leader 
who takes risks uh, um, not only with opportunities um, in the context but as well opportunities with people uh, so that you want to grow them into a better uh, a better version of themselves um, uh, and I'm wondering uh, now that we are in people management and people inspiration and motivation what would uh, uh, how, how would you define your best approach to motivating people and encouraging them I think it's linked to how well um, how well that strategic leadership is as well um, working on creating that creating that vision which not only inspires but I believe motivates as well because if we can if we can work towards that same vision then I believe that we're we're all waking up with the same motivation um, to come to the workspace. Um, but then uh, I think it would be really important then to understand the individual, to understand what they're contributing to that, to contribute to success, what success looks like. And with that, be able to work with them on understanding their own strengths um, there's always room for 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 improvement or betterment, and so not necessarily looking at them as as weaknesses, but definitely areas of growth. Um, and that does also take some modeling. It does take it does take working with people. Uh, I I don't think I've ever worked on top of anyone, but you know when it comes to decision making, that's a totally different uh, different context. But it definitely means, you know, collaborating with people and working with them um, on on a growth strategy at an individual level as well. In in a uh, traditional world, if you read a lot of leadership books, they're written by people that have run big organizations. So typically they'll talk about all of the key uh, topics which would be revenue and profit and product and all of that, right? Uh, which, which is not relevant in your world at all. And it probably, thank goodness it isn't because it's a, it's a wonderful balance. Um, but one thing that all leaders, no matter what they're doing, come across is, you know, once, once in a while, you're going to get a decision which tests you ethically. And, you know, the, the difference between neo-charismatic leadership and, and a more traditional view is that um, it's the ethics and the altruism of the leader that encourages the followers fundamentally. So, you know, how do you approach ethical decisions? And, and you know, have you ever had to face a, a very difficult ethical decision that you could perhaps talk to us about? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's one of the things that, um, as you're saying, we might have the perfect strategy. We might work and, um, you know, develop perfect teams. And, you know, we might not talk about revenue. We actually do because it's uh, income is necessary in our world. Uh, but at that output level, it looks a bit different. It looks, it looks a bit different. Um, but at the same time, you know, we're still, we're still people. We're still people running organizations. We're still people uh, who are trying to make a difference. And it doesn't mean that we're all right. It doesn't mean that we have the right answers. And unfortunately, sometimes we have to go through experiences um, to understand what's right and what's wrong. And I think for me, you're absolutely right, Martin. It's what we model. 
Um, and there, there have been situations myself that I haven't made the right decision. Um, and no matter how calculated, uh, you know, I would understand risk and measure risk. It's still the same in our world. You know, we try to mitigate all sorts of risks, understand our context to the best that we can. Uh, sometimes it just, you know, situations turn out in different ways that uh, you would never anticipate. I think for me, the most important things out of that is what you take away from that situation. As a leader, I've had to be in positions where I've had to acknowledge that I haven't made the right decision. Um, and importantly, be in a position to understand what have I taken from that and what do we want to take um what do we want to take as, as an organization forward? Um, but if I have to think of a particular example where I feel like I was, I was slightly pushed and uh, I felt that this, this one might be testing me a little bit. Um, and, you know, it was a situation where we had, you know, we had other people, we, we work with uh, partners, we work with different stakeholders in the work that we do. And, you know, um, in looking at some of our decision making, we hadn't made the right decisions. And I felt that I felt a pressure on where I was in the scheme of things. Um, did I have the power? Because sometimes it's about power. Right? Did, did I have did I have the power to actually stand up and say I think we made a mistake, and if we don't act now, we might be making a bigger mistake. Um, and reflecting on it, I actually you know felt that it was my position to say something. And when I did, I was challenged because obviously this was a scheme of decisions that were made by a number of people in a very big and complex environment. And it would have, you know, repercussions, reputation, financial, others that we would just consider as risk. And so the decision to either keep quiet um, or stand up for something that I truly believed had gone wrong, but not necessarily just that it had gone wrong, that I felt that we could, we could turn it around. And that to me was the focus, that appreciating that things go wrong, but also being in a position that we could turn it around, we could do better, we could, you know, not necessarily correct it, but make sure that it doesn't happen again. And so that was where my, my position of influence was coming from. Uh, and I remember some butterflies uh, in my stomach moments where, you know, I had to stand up with donors and board members and, you know, really be able to justify my action. And it made me feel like this was more about me than the collective. Um, and eventually we were able to solve it eventually we were able to learn from it and importantly for me it 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 set some some strong values um that of course guide how i work today in terms of just being able to identify what is also wrong and right in a situation and also be able to just model it as much as possible um also recognizing that i'm human and that i'm not perfect and just as as much as i can do to make sure that um we're really we're really you know building around values as well excellent there there is no perfect leader and how did the people that work for you or with you in your teams how do they respond to you when they know that you've 
if 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 they know i mean uh, i'm assuming that they they know that you stood up to say something was wrong how do they feel working with you afterwards um i think at the beginning like a natural reaction a lot of people were actually scared and um because there was an immediate reaction to place blame which as a leader i've tried very hard to learn from that situation in terms of where should the focus be um and if we focus a lot on blame which i felt um do we actually get to that point of solution but being more solution orientated meant that we would we would circle back we would circle back to who did what and why and you know what went wrong but being able to focus on that solution to be able to um to understand that if we didn't act you know we could have a worse off situation than we had now um at a point in time i did i did feel that i was i was standing alone and that a lot more people were watching than contributing um to the situation but my my level of conviction kept me going and as much as i could communicate what was happening and where i saw you know where i saw the real solution i did get a lot of support then and obviously when we finally solved the situation there was a lot more confidence in me and i think that's where and that's where and that's part of leadership it's it's those situations where people will turn to you and and see what you did in that situation um that unfortunately always keeps us in the spotlight as leaders um because everyone wants to very quick to very quick to 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 pass an opinion but really it's about how you manage that situation how you problem solve how you find that solution and at the end of it an important part was how i communicated back to my team and said look yes there was a few things we did wrong um this is this is what this is how we 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 decided to um uh, to work on it and definitely you know learning from that where we wanted to go there were things we needed to improve there were things that we needed to definitely work better on and this is where i wanted us to go i really admire your self awareness your ability to reflect within yourself on what's right and what's wrong and i think this is one of the prerequisites for new charismatic leadership um there is a lot of room for expansion when you reflect on an experience you learn from that experience and your space where you reflect with yourself expands more and this is um, really what we're looking for uh, in leaders um one last question and i know we're running we're beginning to run out of time uh, is what it, what would be a great advice to give to young leaders i i was i read a beautiful quote the other day that it's one of the simplest questions but i think there was someone who said um the most cliche is to tell young people to believe in themselves i still think that's really important i really think um that's important but at the same time my advice would be that it's young people to make opportunities for themselves that's important and sometimes they don't come as easy as um we would like and we would think but at the same time is to not doubt themselves 
to believe in themselves absolutely um to spend you know to spend time in understanding and and developing themselves because that's an important part of success um but it's also to be able to just um craft their own spaces uh i remember a, a talk that i that i had a couple of years ago i think just before covid and i was talking to some some young girls um about social entrepreneurship and this is because especially in Africa we have a very very young population a large number of young people graduating from universities and colleges which is excellent um but we have a problem with how much of how much of them are being absorbed into into formal employment and so this talk that i was having with them was about how how much opportunity is in entrepreneurship and they didn't look at me like really you know because that that structure or or the system is built around i need to i need to graduate and i need to get a job when it was about could they find opportunities for themselves to build themselves as entrepreneurs and really look at what is that vision for themselves at a, at at an individual level and so i would still want to support young people to take opportunity to find that opportunity for themselves to look at what needs to change for that opportunity to come their way and definitely like like looking at you know a night sky that might have a billion skies up there i think it also takes the person looking to see the to find the one that's shining the brightest so it's about changing the way that we definitely look at people and how we appreciate um the diversity that we have Yes, Farida, you you have given us and our listeners um, a tremendous amount to think about uh, from a totally different perspective than we've had before. So, um, first of all, thank you very much for your making time to speak with us in your very busy schedule, um, and also thank you for the for the work that you do and for the people that you do it for. I think that that's absolutely outstanding. Um, I think that Yada and I will be following your career actually for the next few years um and i wouldn't be surprised if we're talking to you again um but uh thank you so much so on behalf of uh gada and myself um farida thank you very much and to our listeners thank you very much for joining and um we look forward to our next episode take care Gada and Martin hope you enjoyed this episode there is more information available at neocharismaticleadership.org and if you would like to discuss coaching or training for yourself or your team you can contact Gada and Martin through the website we look forward to your participation next week until then goodbye goodbye